Well, hello, and here we are at last at Christmas Eve, the great day coming tomorrow. Uh, welcome to the very last of our, our podcasts for this Advent season. Thank you for joining us during the month. Um, Edry's going to read now from a passage in the New Testament from John's Gospel, which is not a passage that we automatically associate with Christmas or Advent. So over to you, Edry. This is John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be unto you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Tom said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many of the miraculous signs in the presence of disciples, which are not recorded in this book. That these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Thank you, Audrey. I, I, I don't know whether you have a favourite book in the Bible, um, whether you're allowed to have a favourite book in the Bible, but um, if you were to ask me, my favourite book in the Old Testament is the book of Psalms. It covers every, every experience of life. My favourite book in the New Testament is John's Gospel. When I first became a Christian at the age of 11, I remember someone gave me a little pocket copy of John's Gospel. It was orange and I carried it round with me and I, I had it at school. I, I had it when I went off to college and then at some point it fell apart and, uh, and I lost it. But I loved that little copy of John's Gospel um, and, and I've loved John's Gospel ever since. Um, someone said of John's Gospel, it is so profound and yet so simple. It's, it's like a it's like a swimming pool or a lake or a, or, a, or an ocean. It's so uh, safe uh, that a child can paddle in it, and yet it's so deep that an elephant could swim in it. Um, what is it about John's Gospel that is so amazing? Well, all sorts of things, but particularly from the very beginning, it puts our focus on Jesus. And it tells us at least two things about Jesus. The first thing is, if you like, the open secret from the very beginning of the Gospel that Jesus is fully, fully God. Everything that can be said of deity is true of the Son of God as he appears on earth. So John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There's his eternity in the beginning. There's his personality. He was with the Father. There's his deity. He was God, and he was the one who was the author of creation and of animation and of revelation. And then throughout John's Gospel, you have all these great statements, all these great recognitions, the great I am sayings. We know the seven I am's, I am the good shepherd, I am the light of the world and so on. But, but there are I am sayings that are hidden under the text. So, for example, when, when he's confronted before Abraham was, I am. 
And when they come to him in the garden of Gethsemane, he says, who are you looking for? We're looking for, for this Jesus. And he says, I am. And they fall on their faces before him. Throughout John's gospel, again and again and again, the deity of Christ is emphasised. Um, someone said it's like walking in the rain. Um, you have a little dribble of rain sometimes just to shout, but sometimes you have a, a complete cloudburst and you get wet through to the skin. John's gospel wets you through to the skin with the deity of Christ. And here is Thomas, right at the climax of the gospel, recognising my Lord and my God. It can mean nothing other than a real true confession of the deity of Christ. That's the first thing John says. But then, of course, the same gospel is very, very clear about the humanity of Christ. So that same first chapter, uh, the word became flesh. And what's interesting there is that John could have said the word became a human or the word became a man. He got the vocabulary for that, but he says flesh. What he wants us to understand is that the person standing in front of us is exactly like us in every way. He's got a body. He's, he's human. Uh, at, the, at the well, when he meets the woman at the well, he was tired. When he's on the cross, he's, he cries the, the most poignant of all his cries, I'm thirsty. And as he stands before Thomas, we, we emphasise, yes, he's Lord and God, but he's a man in the flesh. His resurrection body is there. So, so he can say to Thomas, reach your hand here, put your hand into my side, put your hand into the holes in my, in, in my hands. And, and presumably Thomas did that. And what did he feel when he felt that? Well, not a ghost, but a real live person. Jesus was transformed. It was, a, it was a transformed body, but it was still the same body, still bearing the marks. So, so he is fully God and he's fully man. Um, in our ministry on Sundays, we've been reminded of that, particularly by Clover. Some of you may have been at the family service where he, he took a, a, a little box and a huge pillow and you fit the pillow in the box. And, and that's like trying to fit God into our scheme. Um, I'm sure he was aware that Dustin, the great theologian in uh, the fourth century, had, had sent something very similar for him. It was, uh, can you fit God into a little hole in the ground? It's, if you look at the ocean, huge ocean, can you fill it into a little hole on the, in, in the sand? God is much bigger and much more magnificent and much more mind-blowing than we can possibly imagine. The way in which I, I, I sometimes think of theology is in terms of Weetabix. I don't know whether you had your Weetabix this morning. A few years ago, there was a couple of advertisements in which the, the punchline was somebody did something incredible. The punchline was, this morning he must have had his Weetabix. And the one that sticks in my mind is of a, is of a, a gymnast with the, um, I think they're called the rings. And he's putting the two rings, does what is commonly known as the crucifix position. He's standing with his arms out holding the two rings or standing above the air, uh, suspended above the air with, with the two rings. And then he, in, in the advert, he takes his hand off one ring, scratches his nose and then puts it back on the ring without moving apart from the arm that moves. And, and at the end, the caption is that today must have had his Weetabix. Of course, you couldn't do that. Not even Weetabix is as miraculous as that. But the point is this. When you are in that position, you have to hold both rings. You can't let go either of the rings. Both are important. And when it comes to so many mysteries at the heart of our faith, that's exactly the same. It's what I call Weetabix theology. God is three and God is one. God is one and God is three. And he is fully God 
and he is fully man. He's both at the same time. And we can't compute that. We can't understand that. The baby who lies in his mother's arms in absolute dependence is keeping the universe ticking over. We can't get our mind around that. And yet what we have to understand is it's really, really important because it's the foundation of our salvation. If he's not God, then he can't save us. If he's not man, he can't save us. If he's both, then he can save human beings and bring them back to God. And so there's the mystery at the heart of Christmas that we will celebrate tomorrow. I'm just going to lead us in prayer now. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for sending your son to save us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came. Holy Spirit, we thank you for leading us to Jesus. Thank you for this season of the year. We pray that you will be with us tomorrow on Christmas Day. We pray for our families and loved ones. Please bless them. In all the business of tomorrow, keep us from forgetting Jesus, who is fully God and fully man. Like Thomas, when we look at the baby the manger, may we be able to declare, my Lord and my God. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Well, have a good Christmas. Uh, have a great day tomorrow. And uh, keep thinking about Jesus. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas.